Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows, I'm Brad Patton. This week, we welcome JT Cavi from ERA to the podcast. ERA just released the deluxe edition of their self-titled record on Unified Records. The deluxe edition features new songs and cover tracks. If you missed out on ERA self-titled the first time around, as I did, this is a good time to jump in and give the record a listen. JT talks about his life as an athlete, how YouTube covers led him to Texas in July, being the replacement vocalist twice, and ERA's long road to releasing their self-titled record. This is a fun chat, and I was stoked to find out JT is a fellow Marylander. So I hope you guys enjoy getting to know JT Cavi from ERA. How are you? I'm, I'm great, man. I'm good. I'm tired. That's why I have coffee. I'm trying to get this over with so you could play Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, if you're a gamer. I, n- no, no. I don't know if you're I, familiar with this game that just came out. No, I saw posters. I was walking by GameStop oh, yeah. the other day. The posters were all up. Yeah, it just came out. Nice. Awesome, man. Man, where, where are you currently located? Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay, not mm-hmm. far. I was in Baltimore this morning. I had to take really? my wife to BWI, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Where's she I'm going? Uh, she's headed to Austin, Texas for work. Nice. Where did yeah. you drive out of, Philly? Uh, Rockville. Oh, you live in Maryland? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I used to frequent, um, I had a buddy that lived in uh, Gaithersburg. Yeah, nice. That's yeah. where I grew up, so. Oh, really? Yeah. He lived in um, off Stone Barn, in, like off uh, Muddy Creek or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, he went to Bullis. Uh, but I used to, you know, I used to go visit them and their, uh, him and his family for years. Uh, parents like knew each other in high school, but I always look forward to going there with, over there because there was a, a BD's Mongolian barbecue, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> which is now gone. I know. I, yeah. I loved BD's man. Oh my God. Yeah. I worked in Bethesda for a while and yeah, we would like frequent BD's. It was awesome. And Hell then yeah. I moved to Philly and then I moved back and I was like, oh, it's gone. No. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. It's the worst. It's awesome, man. So you grew up in Baltimore. You grew up in Maryland? Well, I grew up in, um, actually grew up in Sprinter Park. Okay. One of the parkies. But um, I did go to school in Catonsville. I uh, okay. went to all boys Catholic school in Baltimore. But I actually have never been like a city guy until recently. I was always like a suburbia kid. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What was growing up like for you? Sports. Sports, Sports and academics. I was a student athlete. Oh, yeah. Pretty much... Uh, Pretty much exclusively. <laughs> it's like definitely one of those kids just in books and at practice for years. Nice. Is that what took you to an all-boys school? Um, My father went there. Two of my uncles went there. My grandmother was in charge of uh, kind of rebranding their uh, culinary stuff, like their food yeah. court um, in the 70s. So there was like a lot of family history. It was one of those situations where it's like you don't have to go here. 
Yeah. But if you don't, you ain't family. <laughs> uh, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, what it's were cool, your, uh, yeah. What were your sports of choice? Just everything or? A little bit of everything growing up, but actually I was a swimmer mostly. Okay. I was a swimmer for a long time. Did a little bit of lacrosse, but like my whole life swimming and diving. Um, tried a little bit of football, did a little bit of rugby. The only thing I didn't play was soccer. Yeah. And I actually really like soccer now, but. That's cool. Foot, football. Yeah. Football is life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. What got you into music then? Well, I was more of a, um, just a kid just brought up around music. My parents loved to spin their vinyls. Uh, my dad was like an ACDC guy. My mom was like a disco lady and uh they tried to i feel like they did a pretty good job of like showing me everything like we would we went from like you know the back in black record to you know the grease soundtrack mm -hmm. to like even uh eddie murphy comedian which at the time i'd never should have heard because it's yeah. so vulgar <laughs> but uh um just musical things growing up and my parents had instruments and uh, I did all male gospel choir in high school. Um, I tried to stay involved musically yeah. uh, throughout my years because I I was a student athlete, but I had you know many passions. So I tried to pursue a bunch as much as I could, being being as busy as I was. I didn't really fall into the music world until I like in my twenties. Okay, so you weren't like involved in like the local scene down in Baltimore, or, like no, anything through really. high school. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I was. I, I was very lucky to skip all the years of grinding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I only, I only sold tickets for, like, two shows ever. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I was in a local band for a hot second, um, but only played, like, six shows total, I think. Yeah. What was your transition into, like, heavier music, into the, like, hardcore metalcore scene? Uh, YouTube covers. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you know that. I did, like... 200 200 some youtube covers um this is a long story short but um chris davis he was uh in a local band called behold the flood which is from mount airy yeah and then uh joined texas in july in like 2011 2010 maybe and i guess they had caught wind of my covers like in i was doing them from like 2011 and 12 and they lost their vocalist alex good and he was like, hey, I saw your covers. Like, I want you to try out. And uh, ended up trying out. And I had plenty of, like, screaming experience from, like, practicing and doing covers, but none on stage or, like, any, yeah. no knowledge and involvement of what the hell I was getting myself into. But did that for two years, and here we are in era and through pandemics and 10, <laughs> years, la 10 years later, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. What led you to YouTube covers and being like, I could do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what it was like i can do that that's actually how it went um <laughs> i've never <laughs> sorry i've never had anybody react like that <laughs> that's kind of how it went like it was yeah i was uh like i experienced my life from 17 to 20 and i was fucking bored and i i feel like i wasn't i wasn't swimming anymore and i feel like i lost a part of like i don't know something that kind of like kept me busy so i was going to school at Anne Arundel community college and i was working full-time i had like three jobs at one point and 
I just started to, you know, like you're in the car, you're always participating in the music. But like for me, yeah. it was like a lot of screaming and I, I couldn't scream, but I tried. And then one day, like kind of like clicked. I feel like I'm okay at mimicking sounds. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm decent at certain impressions. Like I could just hear things. And I, I feel like I have the ability to hear what they're doing with the muscles in their body to make the tone, not just like what it sounds like, but like how they got there. Yeah. So that made it easier to teach myself um, how to get like the tone I was looking for initially when I was learning how to scream. And then one day it was like something like changed overnight and I was like, oh shit, I think this is it. Like, I think this is what it sound, it's supposed to be like. And then I just kept at it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. What got you into that type of music as a fan? heavy stuff i don't yeah. really know i think there was just like gateways and then and slowly just got deeper and deeper i remember my, my mom showing me um stupefy by disturbed and like right. when i was like 11 <laughs> like right right when it came out too um i remember i remember listening to it through like an infinity clock radio like on 99.1 <laughs> rock remember it, or 99.1 hfs yeah remember that oh yeah i think they're still around right they oh, no, yeah. did they I think they sold it. No, I don't know. I remember I they're they were, still a thing. They were on air, and then at noon they switched over to El Zol, and they were a Spanish station. Yeah, exactly. And then they like moved to like a smaller on the dial station out of Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. All right, RIP, man. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, we still got shit. DC one hundred and one though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess so. I haven't listened to the radio in so long. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny. I walked into, um, I lived in, I live in Hamden, which is a neighborhood. Like it's, it's like a very cute Baltimore neighborhood. It's, yeah. it's, I like, I stand out there and, um, and, uh, I'm walking down uh, like our main drag and there's a church that's doing like, um, a secondhand shop and behind me right here is an infinity clock radio. I picked one <laughs> up for like five bucks. Nice. It, it works perfectly. And I put it on, um. 107 the bay as my alarm wake up <laughs> oh wow What was that transition like for you heading into Texas is the reason and going from just a YouTube cover guy to having to be the front man? And- oh, terrifying. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> like, you can, I mean, screaming in your bedroom or like uh, in the basement for me um, and like taking your time and editing and all that stuff is one monster. But like, it wasn't the the amount of people that I was doing it in front of. It was like. I have such a high standard of like excellence for myself from like school and sports growing up mm-hmm. and my parents kind of just being tough on me. Not like in a mean way, just like they yeah. expected a lot. They expected great things and I like to deliver. So for me, it was like a pride issue. Yeah. And uh, so I had to like learn on the fly and like, and I would be watching guys like uh, Jake Lores and Jason Butler 
and Levi Bennett and all these awesome front men who like really have locked into what makes them like their flavor on stage, like beyond what they sound like, but uh, having more to offer in the regards of like how to command a crowd and like what kind of things you can expect from them. Like the big thing that Levi was kind of famous for was hands up. It was like a mosh call and I like totally ripped that from him. <laughs> but like you got, I had like forgot how to put my own spin on things. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I still feel like that's a, a crazy monster and a, a weird undertaking. Sometimes yeah. I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Did you write the lyrics on that record? On blood work? Yeah. Yeah. Was that uh, a challenge for you or was that something you were already doing? Um, it's not that <laughs> writing lyrics is hard. It's yeah. writing good lyrics is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like writing stuff that you're, uh, that you look, can look back on and be like, Oh, that's actually not trash. Yeah. Um, and I, and thankfully looking back on those songs, I can see like the infancy of my, uh, like preferences and skill set mm -hmm. and like the things that I did back then. And I don't hate it, but I definitely have grown a lot since that time. Um, yeah. Definitely proud of that work still. I don't, I don't cringe when I listen to it. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was Texas in July still part of like the like Christ core scene or whatever Christian? No, like, not no, when I joined had, it. Okay. They had the, they had the, um, like the label from was. some people. Yeah. yeah. Like I had, I had people like pray with me. Okay. The first year I was in the band, but like after after that, like it never happened again. And yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not a religious person, but I would I would always like accept it out of uh, courtesy. Yeah, and I, and I going to a Catholic school and like growing up on religion, I understood it and respected it. So I, yeah, I was like, sure, of course. Yeah, the pop the popularity of that scene was always so weird to me. <laughs> As yeah, I stated here, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't really know any like any bands to that extent or I'm just like not in that world anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so weird to think that that was such like a, a big influence on earlier parts of post hardcore metalcore. Yeah. Now it's like not really a thing at all. Yeah. I mean, ABR and fear for a King will still um, talk about faith, but like, it's not like a huge part of like their message as yeah. much maybe for Jake, but, um, but uh, overall I think it's just like dudes trying to rock. Yeah. People have gotten older and evolved and changed and sure. You know, the whole nature of it changed. Well, yeah. I do a Texas in July calling it quits. Um, that's a great question. I <laughs> I still don't fully know. Um, I think I think a big part of it was um was uh they they definitely grew up with everybody at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like they they grew up with um, playing shows with like moths and um. Miss May I and For Today and they saw these bands kind of like keep growing and I think Texas got a little stagnant and plateaued and um, maybe had some uh, maybe should have like sought out different team members or management or, or somebody uh, along the chain of like their circle of uh, like their crew or, or not just like at the shows but like yeah. um, from like the business side that might have helped them differently, but I feel like they got a little discouraged when they plateaued. And um, I would have loved to have the knowledge I have now to like give you a better answer. But like back sure. then, I think they just—I think their just hearts weren't in it anymore. Yeah. And I didn't—I didn't realize that until it was kind of too late because I was like, <laughs> I was balls deep, all in at that point. Like yeah. I was still 
still new and ready to like eat shit and grind a little bit but i think they were just i think they were just over it yeah it's not an easy life yeah and if you've been doing it for a while then it's just like all right we've we've done this we've reached as high as we're going to on this mountain and like yeah the farewell tour numbers really told the tale too so Mm. i mean it was time but i mean years later we played a show like a couple months ago and it was amazing so we're not completely dead. What led to you joining ERA? Um, I got a phone call from Jesse while I was, uh, I think it was like August of 2015. We had just got back from Europe, Europe for the farewell tour for Texas. And in a couple months, we were about to do the farewell tour for the U.S. I hit the studio with them in October and then did the farewell tour for Texas in July and then like transitioned right away. There was like no downtime. That's awesome. What's it been yeah. like for you joining bands as like the second singer the second for Texas vocalist? and then the third for Oh, Eagle I'm used to like, it. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's I'm totally I was totally used to it at this point. Yeah. Um and thankfully I've been long enough in the era where it's like people finally like rarely mention any previous vocalists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is probably good. Uh but yeah, I mean, uh people have asked like, you know, what's it like to do? other people's songs and mm-hmm. it really doesn't bother me because i've always yeah. found a way to like put my own stamp on it and make it mine and kind of own it for yeah. the moment and because your like background is not like slogging in bands it was youtube covers so it's yeah. like it wasn't yeah. this weird thing to do other people's songs exactly like, exactly that's what i did <laughs> yeah it's basically what i did so i you know i think it kind of equipped me well yeah what led from that transition uh from sumerian to UNFD. Oh, uh, the contract just ran yeah. up, and um, Eye of God was like the uh, exiting clause of the contract. I think that like contract ran up. They're like, "Hey, we want to do one more song. Like we're in this. Yeah. I know our contract's up, and that was like the last hurrah." And uh, I still keep in touch with some of those guys from from that team. Um, we're definitely really happy with Unified. Uh, it's been really good too. Yeah. Yeah, what led you guys to Unified? Um, God, uh, I'm not the person to ask. Honestly, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm more of like the uh, dad of the band, doing like the um, tour, sh- the tour shtick. Okay, and uh, the business emailings are done re- usually through uh, Jesse and Connor, and I'm just CC'd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I participate in that stuff too, but there's like too many cooks in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, so I kind of let them handle it. I think they were they were uh, a, a label that showed interest and like were willing to work out a, the deal that we were uh, interested in. So I think that was a, a big reason for it. 
Yeah. I don't know what to seem like uh, that we were we were hoping for something better. Like we were sure, very, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if anything, like they proved to show like that they were even more than what we thought. So yeah, like, that we've been been super stoked and good. <laughs> we're in good, really good hands. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. When COVID hit and shut down the world, were you guys in this transition phase where you were getting ready to write anyways? Like your last record had come out in eighteen, and you had the touring cycles for a year and a half, two years. Like, was it like, all right, we're getting ready to write now and then the world shut down and it didn't affect you guys that much? Or did you have big plans yeah, for this. 2020? <laughs> we were in the studio from February, oh, maybe January 2020 to March. It was like the first oh. week of March. Well, fuck. <laughs> and think of that timeline. Yeah. Literally a week later, the whole world shut down. Damn. So we got, we literally got everything done just in time. We were the last, as far as I'm aware, and we were the last band to ever record in that particular studio because that studio eventually shut down. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and uh, the people we were working for were just tenants there, so it wasn't their studio, so they they had to move too. Jeez. It was like a big thing. Um, Carson and Grant from Atrium Audio, uh, which is funny because that's who I recorded blood work with, so it's been very full circle. Yeah. I, I love that, honestly. I love I love how small the world can be in that regard. But yeah, we literally got everything done the last minute because we were in the studio and uh, earlier that week, like Nashville got pummeled with a, a tornado. And that's was that was literally oh, Jesse's yeah. neighborhood. Jesse lived in that neighborhood. Oh, my God. So he was dealing with that. So we like we were really caught off guard with everything that happened. It would have been really interesting to see if we like recorded a little bit later and, and what I like wrote about the pandemic or that maybe. Yeah. But we'll just have to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> Man, There's so, plenty to talk about. So this record has been done recording since March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Well, the deluxe stuff, though, wasn't yeah. done until January of 2021. Like when we when we found out we were still stuck at home, even after we pushed the record release back like yeah. six months, it was supposed to come out in September of 2020. Um. We were just like, yeah, we have all this time. It like wasn't in the budget. It wasn't in the plans at all. But we like reached out to Unified, and this kind of just reinforces how sick they are. They were like, yeah, we're totally on board. Like, we love you guys. Let's uh, let's 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 pump those numbers, baby. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, that that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has sucked, and God, that was a dark time for yeah a lot of us. There was a point where I thought I was like about to like change careers and jump ship mm-hmm. but uh we made it through and we're still getting through it yeah were there ever talks of there like all right we've done the record but like who knows what's happening with the world but is yeah, there ever any course. thought like we might never do this band again yeah i mean i don't know how they felt there was no like collective like conversations yeah like, oh we're all fucked i, I was like a something we were avoid you know making the call yeah. for at that point like i think all of us didn't have any choice to just kind of wait it out and see what happens but yeah. like the uh, the adult in me was like, am I, I was worried that if I waited it out and it came back and it was like bad, mm-hmm. that I was wasting my time, like not thinking about, all right, well, what's my backup plan? So that was really scary, but mm-hmm. um, I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you released the record in March, was it just like, we've sat on this thing for so long that we have to get it out and we can't just wait any longer? More or less. Yeah. Uh, the timing actually worked out kind of nicely, though. I feel like it was, we delayed it as long as we could, but it wasn't like 
I feel like the time period worked out all yeah. in all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you guys, you guys were able to play, you played Furnace Fest. We played Furnace Fest and that was in the middle of, um, an ABR tour. So we, uh, you know, it was, it, we, we did get to play all the songs, which was nice a couple of months later. Yeah. So we, we gave some time for people to sit on the record, which was cool. Yeah. Which begs a question. You're not the only band I've seen doing this, releasing a deluxe edition to a record you put out in 21. Mm-hmm. Is it just like 2021 was still pretty fucked? Like, let's do something new that mm-hmm. will have extras for people who bought the record, but we can kind of reintroduce this as to yeah. people who might have missed it the first go around. Exactly. I mean, and who's just, we could have done an EP. I'm not really sure what the final decision was of why we chose the deluxe versus the mm-hmm. EP. I, I, I think it's cool. As like an artist, like I've yeah. never done a double double pressing like this or like a extended release, so it was just nice to nice to kind of have that under my belt too, um, yeah. for me for us. led to the decision to uh, self-title this record um <laughs> this was actually kind of funny like we we group chat i message um basically everything and we'll, we'll, we discuss things here and there if it's like more important we'll get on a group call but uh yeah. actually we have one today at six um <laughs> but uh it was like jesse will have like a uh, a document of like a bunch of lists for songs and then he'll do the same for the for the for the album the album title is usually like could usually be a song title as well mm-hmm. been sticking to the, a lot of the single word titles lately. yeah and um he was like well it could be this or could it be this or we could self-title and everybody was like "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> i think i like that idea uh, it was just kind of like, honestly, it was exactly like that. Oh, nice. uh, that's awesome. Like, ooh, we could be naughty. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, how much of the lyric writing is split between you and uh, Jesse? Lately, 50-50. Yeah. 50-50, yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to a point where in the beginning it was, I was kind of doing all my stuff. And like when I came into Drift, six of the 10 songs were already written. And then the mm-hmm. last four I wrote my parts for. Which was Drift, Sleeper, Continuum, and Orchid, I think. Um, and then Neon was about the same. If not, actually, Jesse might have even written more for me for that record. That was an awful time for me, honestly. I, yeah. I that was a oh rough record overall. But yeah. um, the self title. By the time the self title came around, we were like really good at working together um any like initial couple years of like i don't know how to be friends with you like because you're (laughs) a new person and we were kind of just we're very different people Mm -hmm. like you you don't really you don't really plan on like figuring out how to be friends with somebody because like you just join a band and kind of hope for the best yeah 
but uh, you know, some some good things need a little a little work. And once I understood Jesse as a person, and yeah. and he understood me, we became much closer, and um, we were able to work really well together. Now when we hit the studio, it's like super efficient. And uh, like when we did the the self titled, it was like the first time we got in the studio, we were like, this is fun. Yeah. You know, it was like actually enjoyable and, yeah. and not like stressful. It was so, and Carson and Grant were a big, big reason for that for sure. Yeah. Is that something that you brought over from Texas in July as being like, you're just joining this band in a lot of ways, a group of people have been together for a long time that you're just like, I'm the new guy here. I don't need to like insert myself as their best friend or. Well, I'm kind of an annoying person, so okay. I don't really give them uh, an option. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like new for, new person, make make new friend. Um, so, yeah, I'm I can be overwhelming in that regard. Right. So people have to get like people have to get like adjusted to me first because I'm like I'm a guy that like wakes up and I'm like at ten right away. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think, I think they had to like ease into my personality. Yeah, uh, that's funny. The uh, the cover song and uh, the banished canvas aside, like, was there more COVID focus or like kind of personal like stress or anxiety in the newer songs on the deluxe edition? Um, no, not really. Um, okay. We almost didn't want to give it any any like time of day. Yeah. Because like everybody's dealing with it, it's like right, not really. Yeah. It'll probably be brought up in some way, like maybe some euphemisms for like a virus in general, mm -hmm. not really just like talking about COVID. But um, the there is a song that kind of addresses the insurrection, so we did talk about that. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to address like worldly topics yeah. like that without. I'm very big on like if I, I feel like I don't have any education or grounds to speak on something with a platform that I have, I'm not going to. Yeah. Personal experiences and storytelling is one thing, but like really like stating stating a strong opinion on something on something that's like religion or politics is like kind of touchy for me because yeah. like who am I to say? Like I'm just some guy. Like I have no I know nothing about politics, so I'm not really going to talk about I feel like I don't give anything of value when I'm talking about it. So I I try to avoid it in that regard. Gotcha. It's not like I don't have feelings on it. It's just like, am I really giving you anything by telling, talking about it with, without the education? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That makes sense. What uh, what was your lyrical inspiration for this record, and then specifically for the new songs? Um, I mean the insurrection for yeah, sure. Just... We did talk about that. Uh. Night of Silence was mostly Jesse. They might have to ask him. Okay. And then oh, the, the other song, I know the studio name for it, but I'm drawing a blank on the actual title. <laughs> it's a Soul Absentina. Um, that one. Oh, God. I'm like trying to remember the lyrics. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, you know, when you're writing. For me, I don't address content until the instrumental is put before me because I yeah. like to be inspired by the music. Okay. So I'll, I'll have like a database of topics that I want to talk about or things that are on my mind. Sometimes I let songwriting be affected by that day or that week. Um, it really depends. I think the pandemic is probably going to enter anything new that we talk about. Um, 
I've had a strong distaste for humanity's behavior lately, so there's probably going to be a lot of that. What? <laughs> <laughs> no way. I'm shocked. Um, I don't know. I'll uh, a little bit of the old, a little bit, a little bit of new. Yeah. Who knows? I had this epiphany yesterday, <laughs> where I was like, we should just write a song that's called like the bad song and it's like purposefully written poorly <laughs> i was like i wonder if that would ever fly uh, like you would cre- creatively like methodically place like really cool riffs but in places they absolutely don't yeah. belong like absolute chaos i was like what if we just wrote a bad song on purpose <laughs> like a, i don't know so who knows what's going to happen? I don't know if that that influence yeah. will enter the record. But. Random riff salad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, calculating infinity, like um, old old Dillinger days. How'd you guys end up working with Courtney for the Spanish Canvas? Courtney and I have been friends for a long time. Uh-huh. Courtney and Courtney and Michael were in I wrestled bear once, and Texas in July went to Europe with them for five right. weeks. So we were friends. Uh, she, she and Michael have expressed interest in Era, and they came out to shows and were super supportive of me. And I introduced them to the rest of the band. And we who've always loved them. They're absolute sweethearts and all the success that Spirit Box has had is yeah. super cool because I love when people I care about are successful and their yeah. music is awesome. So yeah. yeah. So win win. Yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible record they put out mm-hmm. last year. So yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Love love to see it. Yeah. yeah. What's uh what's the rest of twenty two look like for you guys? I mean, we've basically told COVID to fuck off, right? Like here in the States, right? <laughs> Trying. Like, Shaking our our fingers at it or something. I don't know. Uh, Uh, Touring. Same old stuff, really. Uh, Nothing nothing too out of the ordinary. Just more growth, hopefully. Bigger bigger offers. Um, Era's never done European festivals in the summer. And Texas in July did that twice. And I'm really surprised we haven't gotten more offers than we have. They're starting to get better, but we're definitely due for some of those European festivals. We've only been there. A handful of times doing clubs, so there's still time for growth. We unfortunately had to cancel a European headliner mm-hmm. that was due. Actually, I would have been there right now, <laughs> um, but uh, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to keep waiting if they are. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys like itching to get back into the studio and record since it's been such a long time? Or are you just like because you've had to sit on these songs, you're just like itching to get out there and have people experience it more live? Both. Both. Um, and at the same time, it's like, I am excited to go to the studio next week, but <clears throat> I'm still kind of overwhelmed with everything. I'm not going to act like I'm still not affected. Like, I mean, the pandemic is still happening. Life still isn't easy. It's hard It's hard to see, like, the war news happening. I'm worried yeah. about the rest of the world. Um, it's like, I mean, there was, like, memes going around. I'm like, am I just supposed to, like, work 
today right. and like ignore everything that's happening and pretend like I'm not scared. And I, I mean, they're kind of right. I try not to let that stuff affect me, but because life must go on, I guess. Yeah. But it's it's definitely hard. It it would be different if it, like that was the only thing that was happening, I guess. But yeah, with like how weird everything's been it's just like there's like this film this like stench in the air i just yeah. can't get the funk i can't get out of yeah yeah i remember like watching the insurrection happen live on twitter and like following all that and just being like Dude. what the fuck am i supposed to in do our, now like in our am i just supposed too. to keep working <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah that's close to you too but yeah i was still up in philly when it happened but it was okay. uh, yeah yeah it's wild Unbe- unbelievable yeah <laughs> what a time to be alive yeah yeah, what's what's the mean? Can we just not have a major world event happen one year? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm tired of living through. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, milestones. Living, I, I'm tired of living through major U.S. history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First, uh, for real though, yeah. yeah. I just want to like be able to uh, go outside and like walk through my neighborhood and not feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never felt so young and alive as when I'm diving into a tomb. And now I'm learning as I listen along, and the wheels are turning, and I started a song.